It is Thursday, March 24th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now the guy who originally posted Pizza Rat, J.P. Shedrick. <laughs> we might be posting a new one at this rate. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday afternoon. My name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a program for you today. Busy show ahead. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman coming up. He's in studio with a free agency review. He has been doing a deep dive into the tape. And he'll have some answers on what these new free agents bring to the table. We'll hear from Pro Football Focus Director of Content Austin Gale coming up at 4.30. PFF has a podcast series coming out in April following Aiden Hutchinson through his run at Michigan with like over 50 interviews involved in this podcast series. We'll hear from Austin and get his take on putting that together, at least so far, and Maybe some other thoughts about the NFL draft, and we'll go around the NFL. Another week of big-time, massive moves in the NFL involving a couple quarterbacks, wide receivers are moving now, and there are draft picks and money flying all over the place. Jeff Lagerman joining us now. Hey, and we've got a, a Twitter poll today. We want your in, uh, input on this, Logs. Um, did this earlier today. On the Twitter poll? Yeah. Okay. At, at J.P. Shadrick. Check out the Twitter poll. It was a, a, a conversation. You want me to vote? Well, Is that I mean, like a vote poll? Well, not on my phone. You have a phone of your own. You can do it on your own. Okay. I know you're a big Twitter guy. So the, we had a conversation in the office today. Maybe you have some insight to this. Um, it, you know, the move the chains chant at the game, the Jaguars games. Move the chains, move the chains, move the chains. What is the word at the end? The options are move them, uh, hua. Or huh. And right now we've got 411 votes. 52% of them say move them, but there's a caveat here. A bunch of responses say it's just move. Single word move. What okay. Do you, what do you think? There's a chant at the stadium. Yes. Move those chains, move the chains, move the chains. Whatever. Move. I've never heard that. Well, you have headsets on. Probably you're working. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why. maybe part of the problem. Maybe I should take my headsets off just so that I can participate in your Twitter poll. Well, I mean, you can you, you can participate. So you know. you're asking me what I think. What do you think it is? What, well, if you haven't am heard I, it before. Am I trying? To, here's the thing. Is it, is, it a, is it an opinion or is it a trivia question? No, like, I think it's an opinion because it, apparently there's a lot of different people who do it a lot of different ways. That's so you're point. saying move those chains, move those chains, move, move those, those chains, chains move. move. Is what a lot of people are saying it is. Yeah, I'm in here. I'm, I don't, I'm good. I don't that hear it. Sounds either. good with me. I'm in this studio. Okay, yeah. I'm not outside. Move. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks, Logs. <laughs> Appreciate it. So are we? Are we having this as part of the open of our show so that we can promote your own Twitter account? Yes. Okay. If it's good for me, <laughs> it's good for me. Like, where the hell's this going? Yes. I, I, I work with Pete Prisco too much. That's what happens <laughs> what? when you work with Pete. So, if, so I, do I need to start having Twitter polls on no, my Twitter can. handle? I mean, it's your account. You can do whatever the hell you want. All right, maybe I'll do that. JP, I'll, I'll do some JP trivia. <laughs> Instead of oh, having a trivia, yeah, it'll actually be opinion. That'll draw them in. Uh, let's get to it. Now, uh, let me ask you a question oh, for gosh. real, though. What? Where did this chant originate from? I think they've been doing it here since, like, day one, like, 95, No, no, I mean, I mean, okay, well. Some fans. Pre-95, where did it originate from? Oh, I have no idea. You tell me. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Well, the team started in 95. Did this happen like in the days of the Golden and the Four Horsemen? 
Oh, probably not at Notre okay. Dame. I'm no, just, I'm I mean, just, just asking. I'm just asking. It's, you know, it's, it's a, if the, it's a chant. I'm curious if, like the, you know, maybe the Jacksonville Bulls had it. I don't know. In the old days, no. I like move those chains, move those chains, move, move. You think it is move? Okay, you're in the majority. Move. That's what's good. We'll we'll follow up again later in the show, and you know. And what were the other options? Just real quick. Hang on. Because now that I understand the question fully, all right. Move them. Uh, hua or huh? Uh, The fifty-two percent say move them. The guttural noises are a definite no. Uh, Hua is second at eighteen percent. No, that's like Al Pacino and Cinema Woman. No, uh, Ha is seventeen percent. Mm. Let's move along. Uh, you've been in the film room doing yeah, a deep yeah, dive yeah. on these free agent editions. Well, I, I personally, what are you looking I for? I personally don't like the term deep dive. Okay, because that's, it, it, that's it brings up bad memories, JP, of, of a certain head coach who used to work here. But did you? Who used to or use that term all the time as if he was doing deep dives, but it's become very apparent that he never was doing any deep dives. Apparently not. Um, did you so, or therefore, did you not do one? I did some film study on the free agent that the Jaguars oh, acquired. That's a, that's better, a better term. That's a better way to, to use that Thank term, you I think. That. And uh and where do you want to start? Let's start on offense and start with the biggest money name of them all. Christian Kirk came in for $37 million guaranteed dollars, mm-hmm. former second-round pick out of A&M by the Cardinals. 17 career touchdowns, but 11 of those over the last two seasons. It was a crowded wide receiver room in Arizona. What can he bring to the table? What did you see on tape with him? I think he's a very, a very explosive player. And when I say explosive player, that it's not just running the route, make a catch, and okay, that's all the game that he can do things with the ball once he gets the ball in his hands, and he also can do some creative things besides just catch it. Uh, I think he does a very good job and does a very good job from the interior wide receiver positions, the slot or a second interior slot position. Uh, He does things that I think are very strong from a backfield position. He can throw the ball. Yes, he can throw the ball. Throw the ball? Yes, he can throw the ball. Really? And throw the ball very well. And he he had actually a couple throws last year. So don't be surprised if they incorporate a Jacksonville special type play with Christian Kirk throwing the football. Okay? Yeah. But I will say this, that he does occasionally have a drop. He's not perfect in making all the catches. Okay? He will have a drop occasionally. But I think the thing that impresses me most when I say explosive, he gets great separation. He's got great acceleration. And, uh, and he, he's very quarterback friendly. And I think Keenan McCardell was the first, I think, experience here in Jacksonville about being a quarterback friendly wide receiver. What do you mean by that? When, when receivers run routes, they, they're obviously given a – playbook and on that playbook and the instructions read okay 10 yards plant your right foot and then take two steps to your left Mm -hmm. and then the ball should be there in professional football it's not always the way it's drawn up or written up in a playbook sometimes there's little nuances that a receiver can figure out and that also comes with time of working with a quarterback for example a zone maybe route where He's running up the field. He, he does a release, gets outside, and then he bends it in to create more space for the quarterback to throw. 
And so basically he's creating bigger windows for the quarterback. Yeah. I think he does a really good job with that. And so his acceleration, the creation of bigger windows for the quarterback, the ability to have subtleness in his moves to create separation makes him very quarterback friendly. Now, we, if you looked at the number of what he's getting guaranteed money-wise, you would expect him to be this 1,200-yard receiver, 1,300-yard receiver. And he, he, if he's going to get there, I mean, you're talking about a guy that averages about 12 yards a catch. You know, it's going to take a lot of targets and a lot of catches for him to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a real good signing from the standpoint, did you overpay him? Yes, but you got a really good football player that I believe the quarterback is going to absolutely love. And on top of that, he is a willing blocker. He is willing to do some of the dirty work and not just block for running backs and wide receivers. I'm talking he will come down on the inside because he's been mostly an inside player. He will come down on the inside and dig a safety out Mm -hmm. for a little inside zone plays, allow the running back to spring it. So very impressive to me watching him. Uh, Very excited about him because he's a guy that you can see will do all the things, the little things that it takes to win. And that, I think, is imperative, especially when you're in free agency. Doug Peterson, of course, said that they uh, they plan on using him all over the offense, not just yeah, in the a, slot. I, and see, I, I, I get that. And then maybe there are some matchups that you carry him mm-hmm. outside. I don't envision him as this uh, X or split N that is a guy that's just going to take the top off of a defense right. play after play. Sure. I, th- I think his strength is change of direction, separation, uh, you know, the four-square drill, you know, where guys change the direction and accelerate. He, I think he excels in that, and that's one of the reasons why that he has gravitated towards that interior position because that's what he's really good at. Get open quick and the ball's on you and then make a play after. Bucky Brooks said he's more quick than fast, right? That makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, but he's got speed now. Right, but, yeah, he's but got the quickness, speed. The, the, the first five, ten yards from the line of scrimmage, that quickness is important in that slot position. I, I learned this uh, from uh, one, of the, one of the greatest wide receiver coaches was Jerry Sullivan that the National Football League has ever seen. And Jerry Sullivan was here for, for yes, he was. a period of time. Yeah. And one of the things that he taught was that you, you never want your wide receiver running full speed all the time, which I thought that was kind of counterintuitive. So why, why would you not want your guys running full speed all the time? He said you, you almost create kind of a tempo with your stride so that when you do open it up, it's a little bit surprising to a defender. Yeah, different gear. And uh, and one thing that Christian Kirk does too is that the subtleness of his moves, not so much the great speed or, or acceleration, create that distance between himself and the defender. So, yes, he does have good speed. Yes, he does have very good quickness. But then you add into that that he understands the routes and how to – how to do subtle things within the route to create even more separation. Uh, and I think that gives him a lot of strength. Let's move uh, along. One, yes. one, more, yes. one more play. Yes, you like because this guy, it sounds like. In, in, a, in a couple of weeks, I think we're going to end up doing a little bit of video segment on uh, Jaguars.com. On these, but but, but so I'm not saying that to self-promote self-promotion. myself and my Twitter account. Or yeah, put it on your Twitter. But one play that I will show is I think it was very interesting because think about – who he was playing with last year. Oh, yeah. Okay, some excellent receivers. Absolutely. Hopkins. Um, 
Okay, AJ DeAndre Green. Hopkins, A.J. Green. Uh, Fitz was still there, right? Okay, yeah. And then the quarterback, okay? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, if you're Kyler Murray, you've got all those wide receivers, right? When you get into a critical situation, who are you throwing the ball to? That's a good point, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Most people would think that he's going to go, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'll give you a play that I'm going to show coming up on Jaguars.com in the next couple of weeks because it was a fourth and uh, five situation, games on the line, quarterback has to make a play. And then all of a sudden, Christian Kirk releases, and it appears that he's getting doubled initially. On the left side, DeAndre Hopkins has single coverage. Mm. So if you're Kyler Murray, what are you doing? Yeah. Hopkins, right? Absolutely. No. 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 He actually actually came back to Christian Kirk because it wasn't a true double, and he threw it to Christian Kirk, and I was going, wow, that play, not so much from analyzing the play, but because of the decision of the quarterback told me a lot, and that in a critical situation, Kyler Murray was going to trust Christian Kirk in a possible double-covered double situation, more so than he would trust DeAndre Hopkins single-covered on the outside. I thought that spoke a lot of volume about Christian Kirk. Very interesting. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. We're taking a look at the free agent additions after uh, Jeff Lagerman's film session, we'll say, we're calling it. Yeah, film not, study. No, not deep dive. Not a, no, please don't use We're not that doing term. deep dive. Uh, Zay, Zay Jones uh, yeah. comes in. Another second-round pick, started in Buffalo, went over to the Raiders. Uh, he was involved in a couple of big Jaguars games. The Jaguars won in that playoff game against Buffalo. And then uh, the final game in Oakland at the Coliseum, Jones was on the Raiders for that as well. Uh, but now he's with the Jaguars, and I think he got about $14 million guaranteed. What do you think of Zay? I, I think he's a solid wide receiver. Is is he overpaid? Um, that's what you do in free agency? Yeah. I will say that he's had a couple very highly productive seasons from the standpoint of if you look at what he had, what was it like three years ago when he was with the Buffalo Bills, he had a year where he had, I think it was uh, 50 some plus receptions. But, you know, when you look at his numbers, he's about 11, 11 yards of reception somewhere right in that range. I like the way he runs routes. He's got good speed. When I say speed, He's got good speed. He's not like a guy like Kirk that's got the acceleration or the change of direction. He's kind of a straight-line guy. And he can make some contested catches. I think he's a good, solid receiver. He's not – like when you watch Kirk, I mean, there's things that Christian Kirk does and you go, wow, man, that's, that's really, really good, man. That Boy, look at the acceleration. Hey, look at the way he's going in there and, and getting a block on the safety. And when you turn on Zay Jones, you say, okay, I mean, he's a good, solid wide receiver. Good, solid wide receiver. Is he better than good? No. Could he potentially be better? Well, I hope because he's still a relatively young player. But he's one of those guys that you can tell that he understands exactly what he's doing. There's never any indecision in the way he plays the game. And so you see that he is well-versed in what he needs to be and where he needs to be and when he needs to be there. And so from that aspect, I think a quarterback will be able to trust him. But from, like, if you compared Christian Kirk to Zay Jones, I mean, Christian Kirk is going to become a favorite, without a doubt, of the quarterback. And Zay Jones will be definitely a a guy that you just kind of add to the mix. 
Another uh, final look at, on the offense. We had Brandon Sheriff on the show last week, so we'll refrain from him here. We'll get to him later. We've got plenty of time to get to these guys. But Evan Ingram, the Jaguars have been searching for that tight end position for years and years, obviously, thrown money a bunch of different ways at it, and really none of them have worked out. Last year, Dan Arnold had some moments after he came over in the trade, but then he was banged up. Evan Ingram comes in, former first-round pick out of Ole Miss, and he had to go through a bunch of different quarterbacks in New York with the Giants. He did start off with Eli, though. Uh, finished up with like five different guys. Well, and Eli yeah. wasn't exactly in his heyday when, right. when he was with Eli. But uh, but Evan is a he's a what I call a move type tight end, kind of like what Dan Arnold is. And I think the the combination of having both of those guys on the field will, I think, be very interesting to see how defenses end up matching up with these two guys because you would have two legitimate wide receiver type of tight ends. Because make no mistake about it, Evan Ingram is not an on-the-line tight end. Dan Arnold is not an on-the-line tight end. These are smaller guys that are bigger wide receivers. And Evan Ingram, if you, if you ask him to line up on the line of scrimmage and to block a 265-pound defensive end who's a man-eater, it ain't happening. Okay? It's not happening. He's going to try to get in the way. Okay? But he's not going to be Mercedes Lewis. Okay? His strength is he's going to be one of the quarterback's best friends to give a quarterback a lot of easy completions. He's got very good hands. He runs good routes. He's got some size to him. He does a much better job blocking when he has to do it against what I call second-level type guys, safeties, linebackers, mm -hmm. guys that he matches up a little bit more equally physically with. Uh, when he has to block a, a defensive end or a bigger defensive lineman, it just it, it doesn't look good. Uh, but he's got great hands. He, uh, I think the, the better the quarterback play, the better he will play. And it's interesting, you know, much like when you look at Christian Kirk and see what the quarterback decides to do with Christian Kirk on the field, I always look at, with like a guy like Ingram, how do defenses play him? You know, who do they match up with him with? Do they use linebackers? Right. Do they use safeties? Right. Do they use defensive backs? Everybody, for the most part, almost always use corners and then safeties on him. Okay. And safety is a little bit of a mismatch, though. That's some of the skill set that he has. But that also tells you how they view his blocking skills, which is uh, he's, not a, he's not breathing fire and ready to knock anybody off the ball. So from that aspect, he'll get treated more as a receiver than as a blocker. We are just getting started. Coming up at 4.30, Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus previews the PFF podcast series on Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. But up next... The film study continues with Jeff Lagerman on the Jaguars defensive editions. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I think there's a lot of upside to this organization. Uh, at the end of the day, these guys, you know, definitely put a lot of trust in me. Uh, that's why they came in and got me in free agency. And I just want to bring, you know, I definitely work hard and definitely bring a lot of you know intelligence and um, to the defense and really just trying to bring people along with me is what I talked about a lot today with some of the coaches so uh, get everybody on that kind of hard hard working mentality kind of have a, you know some grit chip on the shoulder and uh, being able to grind and work to get better every day uh, get more wins here 
Foyer Oluokun, the Jaguars linebacker, in his introductory press conference last week. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Brent Reber, Joe Fortunato. Glad you're along with us. We are continuing Jeff Lagerman's film study or reviewing his film study of hmm. the free agent additions for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thank you for using the proper term. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Deep dive is, is, is done. Yeah. I think we're all I think we're yeah. all kind of past that. So, all right, let's go to defense now. You heard from Foyer Luican, league's leading tackler last season. What do you like on tape from this guy? Well, first off, he's uh, always in or seems to be in incredible condition. What I, what I mean by that is that play after play after play when you watch him, he can still play with the same intensity and the same speed because he's obviously in great shape, which is not what uh, you've seen around here uh, lately. And that gives him the ability to play, play after play. He is downhill. He diagnoses things fairly quickly. When I say fairly quickly, when he can be aggressive, he is incredibly aggressive and attacks the line of scrimmage. And uh, from that standpoint, he very impressive, very impressive. Uh, I don't want to say he is much like pause because pause really set a standard here but he's as close to pause as I think you're going to get as far as the diagnosing of plays wow. really anticipates well That's good. Uh, in space he does a good job he's not great but he does a really good job so you combine I think in the box area he is he is really strong and does a good job in space highly conditioned plays every play with the same tempo and speed I think he's a great addition for this defense up front, Foley Fadukasi, $20 million guaranteed from the New York Jets. And we mentioned this last week on the show, team captain on defense and bringing in that uh, the new culture and all that. A couple of team captains, Sheriff is one in Washington and Fadukasi mm-hmm. for the New York Jets. But a big fella up front, 6'4", 318 in the middle. Yeah, he's a big man, and to be honest with you, I don't think that the play – of uh, some of the interior guys was up to snuff last year. I thought Devon Hamilton had a disappointing year. Uh, could this be a little bit of a reaction to that? Maybe. I mean, look, the, the reality is you create more competition, the better everybody will be. Fadakasi's a guy that uh, when I remember when uh, prior to us going up to New York to, to where the Jaguars were going to play the Jets, uh, you know, you watch their defense, and he was a guy that was stout. He was a guy that, uh, that watching the film, he could push the pocket. Is he a dominant pass rusher? No, but he's a real steady, good football player that's going to make plays for you in the run game. And, uh, and that's like Malcolm Brown. I mean, Malcolm Brown's a really good football player. Is he a dominant football player? No, but he's a really good football player. And I think Fadakasi is a little bit of a younger version, maybe a higher ceiling version of that. I think he's going to bring something to this defense and certainly something that they need because they need some more solid players that can play closer to the middle. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL and Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick and Jeff Lagerman, Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus coming up at 430, just a few minutes away. Darius Williams at cornerback. Well, that room has become really strong all of a sudden with Shaq Griffin on one side, Tyson Campbell in there going into year two, and now Darius Williams. He's 29 years old. He's only been in the league a few years, though. His college career was halted when UAB stopped the program. He came back to Jacksonville for a little bit, then the program came back. He went back to Birmingham, 
and was undrafted, worked his way from uh, over to the Rams in a waiver claim in 2018. And then all the Jalen Ramsey stuff happened, and that locked down one side. He got a lot of action on the other side in L.A. Well, and I think that that was good for him because I think when you get a lot of action, then you have an opportunity to get better just because you're getting – I don't want to say more reps because, I mean, you're still getting the same number of reps, but you're getting more opportunities at making plays. And uh, the one thing that uh, I think is for sure is that Darius Williams is not afraid to make a tackle. He's not afraid to, to be an aggressive. I think he, he probably does a good job of film study. Because when you watch him play, you can see that he's got a, does a pretty good job of anticipating. He's got great speed. And, and I don't know that, that he, that he does a great job of film study. But when you watch certain guys play, when you watch A.J. Boye play, when A.J. was here and A.J. had a higher-rated season than Jalen Ramsey, I just remember going, there's no way that this guy doesn't study a lot. And then from talking to the coaches, I found out that was the case, sure. that A.J. studied the game incredibly hard. and. And I think that's the same type of thing that's going on here. A young player that's, you know, when – and I've kind of learned this through the years. Players that don't have early success like Darius Williams, because, I mean, here's a guy that had to go about it the long way, right? Sure. Had to pay his college. dues. Yeah, sure. They have learned a work ethic that somebody like a Jalen Ramsey may not have. And I'm not saying that Jalen doesn't have a great work ethic because well, I haven't been around much. He's got all-world talent and things great that other talent. humans can't do, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And so yeah. guys that typically are that are born and at an early age have this great talent level have never really learned the work ethic to get to that high level yeah. because they've kind of been there from their God-given ability. And Darius Williams is a guy that you could tell that he's got a good work ethic. You could tell when you watch him play that – that he plays the game with a little bit of anticipation, and that's obviously through film study. I, th I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they play these three corners. And I think that's going to be uh, one of the big question marks going into the OTAs, going into the mini camp, and then obviously going into training camp because until you see it, you really won't know what it's going to be. It'll be fun to watch, whatever they come up with, that's for sure. That's the defensive side of the ball. And if you're watching us on Jaguars.com, a scratch pack has shown up on the desk uh, here. And season ticket members who were nude before last week's deadline have been entered for a chance to win one of 54 specially created scratch packs. It's a box. It's teal. It's got scratch pack written on the top of it. We're going to open one up here. Not all the boxes are going to be the same. They're all unique. But they come with uh, different things inside of them. Like, so uh, memorabilia, signed uh, mini helmet here. It looks like LaVisca Chenault. Uh, season ticket member T-shirt. This is a specially created Duval season ticket member hat. Logs, that look like good that on hat. you. Look yeah, that, yeah, right? I like the Pretty hat. good. It's not big enough for my head, I don't think. And then, uh, oh, I don't this, think there is one this might be. I'm going to guess this is probably one of the top ones of the 54 because it's got a Trevor Lawrence autographed jersey in it. This Ooh, one. Oh, nice. How about that? That's Not very all nice. are the same. I you know, don't think you're going to get a Trevor Lawrence autographed jersey, but somebody will because this one's going out. Unfortunately, it's not going home with me. Huh. How about that? I like that. So if you renewed before the deadline, you are entered to win a scratch pack. If you haven't renewed for season tickets yet, well, you have until Friday tomorrow before your seats are released. So you yeah, better what, call. what size is that jersey? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. That's a good question. There, because, you know, jerseys that are made – for the for the pro players of today, XL. Okay, hold it up one time. Let's Perfect. just out of curiosity. I want to see if it would fit you. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Come be on. very but, tight. But I don't, I'm not going to wear a Trevor Lawrence autographed jersey. Why not? I'm going to frame this thing. You kidding me? Well, I mean, you know, some people would wear that. But my my point is, is that the the jerseys of today's players are so vastly different than they were a long time ago because they're they're snug fit, <laughs> and literally, it, it, sometimes it takes guys. <laughs> Ten minutes to get into their shoulder pads with their jerseys of yeah, nowadays. I was going to say, I, most things are snug fit for me, too, these days. Uh, so, if you're not a season ticket member yet, go to jaguars.com slash tickets and place your deposit today. We're back in a moment. Austin Gale of Pro Football Focus joins us previewing an upcoming Aiden Hutchinson podcast series on PFF. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, Thursday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Glad you're along with us today. We've uh, discussed the free agent additions for the Jacksonville Jaguars, at least the big seven, the first seven. Uh, Logs film Might review. Might sure for a little bit. We haven't, we haven't gotten into him too much. Not too much. We've no. we got some time for that. Yeah. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. We got through the wide receivers, the tight ends, and, of course, the defensive additions for the Jaguars. Let's switch gears now, Logs, and go – Looking forward, five weeks from tonight, mm-hmm. the NFL draft gets underway in Las Vegas. The Jaguars, if you haven't heard, have the number one overall pick. Uh, let's go to uh, online and, and a special guest joining us now from Pro Football Focus, Austin Gale, director of content for PFF, launching a four-episode podcast series entitled Hutch in April. And yes, that Hutch is Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, first off, Austin, thanks for the time. How you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, for you interviewing all these people around Aiden Hutchinson in his time in Michigan, it's been you know a little bit of a rocky road. He was banged up a little bit, missed some time. Comes back last year. He's a Heisman finalist. Um, you know, how many people did you have to interview for this podcast series? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say have to interview. I wanted to interview a lot of these people, and a lot of these have been set up by our director of communications, uh, David Sofar, who also went to the University of Michigan. So that process has been made easier by him. But we've interviewed over 50 people, right? We've interviewed over 50 people talking to everyone we possibly can to help tell Aiden Hutchinson's story. And a lot of it has been awesome and so consistent as well, which is the type of player and the type of you know, human being Aiden Hutchinson is. I've interviewed pretty much every member of his nuclear family, a lot of media, a lot of draft analysts, and a lot of players that he played with, Quiddy Pay, um, you know, Julius Welshoff, his roommate there at Michigan. It's been really, really fun just finding out who Aiden Hutchinson is, right? Because everyone talks about him. He's this projected number one overall pick, potentially a future Jacksonville Jaguar. And I really wanted to dig into the type of player he is the guy on and off the field and he's had you know a wild story he comes to michigan as a four-star recruit wearing the same jersey his dad did at the university of michigan up to live a legacy with hutchinson as his last name and from there plays right away does not burn a red shirt year plays in that don brown defense up and down with rashawn gary quitty pay chase winovich josh uche finally has this opportunity to be the guy on campus in 2020 COVID abbreviated season also gets hurt breaks his ankle six snaps into the indiana game and ultimately was going to make a decision to go to the 2021 NFL draft. Instead, with the injury and with the COVID-abbreviated season, knew he had more to prove, came back in 2021 for his senior season, and, well, the rest is history. 
Well, he probably made himself a lot more money, Austin. And, uh, and by the way, out of all these 50 interviews that you conduct, by the way, you know, this is really kind of a vetting process. If you find out any blemish whatsoever, <laughs> please let us know so that we can pass that on to the people here that make those decisions. Because when you invest the kind of money that the Jaguars are going to invest in the first overall pick, you got to know everything. Oh, 100%. I haven't found a blemish yet. I'll say that. It's been tough to talking to his dad for an hour and a half, his mom for an hour, all these different draft analysts, all these coaches, right? Some of the more fascinating interviews that I've done have been talking to coaches that have coached against him. I talked to the offensive coordinator for the University of Washington that he went toe-to-toe with in week two and said, I didn't know what to do. You talked to Western Michigan, who played him in week one, was watching you know, Baltimore Ravens film to get a read on the defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald's offense or defense. And he's like, I didn't know what to do. We tried to run away from him. We tried to chip. We tried to do all these things. And he's a very difficult player to game plan for. And that's what I found out time and time again, talking to these opponent coaches. I think my favorite interview has probably been Penn State offensive line coach, Philip Troutwine, talking to him about what are you telling your offensive tackles to do when you get in these situations with Aiden Hutchinson and say, don't block him one-on-one, right? You're going to need a tight end. You're going to need a running back. And you're going to need to run the football far and far away from Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, Austin, uh, you know, I played the position somewhat because he's a stand-up, more of a stand-up type of a guy. And when I was in college, I was a stand-up middle linebacker. But when I was in the pros, I was a defensive end. So I, I watched that position with great interest. And, and watching the film on Aiden Hutchinson, I can't find, as a guy that played that position, I can't find anything that he does not do well. I don't find any weakness. I don't see any weakness. He's got a tremendous motor. He uh, excels in every situation, whether it's something that requires speed, uh, stamina, strength. He does everything exceptionally well. And so many different people probably want to typecast him into a 4-3 or a 3-4. At PFF, what do you guys think he is going to be or where he should be? I think he can play both positions really well, whether his hands in the ground or it's up, it's kind of up to him and the team that wants to play him talking to his agent and talking to Aiden specifically, you know, he kind of prefers playing with his hand out of the ground, but he said, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll play nose tackle in the NFL. If that's what I have to do, if that's a team asked me to do, I, I do think he's best on the edge and being able to pin his ear back and pin his ears back and rush the passer with a hand out of the ground. I think that's, what's been really, really where he's had the most success, right? He did a lot of that in 2021 and showed that versatility. And I think, you're 100% right. You hit the nail on the head on just like the type of player he is. He's a complete player talking to head coach Jim Harbaugh. He just checks every single box. Athleticism, intangibles, production, measurables, all these different boxes you need to check to be a number one overall pick. To be a top five pick in the NFL, it's exactly what Aiden Hutchinson checks. They're at the University of Michigan. Their strength and conditioning coach, Ben Herbert, who's been there since 2018, has molded Aiden Hutchinson's body. They test 41 different key, key performance indicators or KPIs, like neck inflection, hip abduction, all these different things. He is A-plus across the board. The best they've seen over the last two years, Aiden Hutchinson is the freak of nature coming out of Michigan. Austin Gale with us from Pro Football Focus. I don't even know want to know what I would grade on those logs. I can't. I can't. <laughs> you do wouldn't it. do very well. I probably yeah, you not. wouldn't do very well. Uh, you know, there are there's a lot of Georgia people around here, Austin. Right. So what we hear a lot from the at least the Georgia fans is, oh, the Georgia offensive line ran this guy over. What was his response, his camp's response to that game and. Uh, it's really just one game, and you can't really judge it on one performance in one postseason game, can you? 
I feel Aiden's response to that game specifically where he knows he's gotten a lot of criticism has been spectacular and that he knows he did not play a perfect game in that one, but also understands that Kirby Smart and Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator there for the University of Georgia specifically created a game plan to where Aiden Hutchinson and the other edge there, David Ajaba, would not beat them, right? A lot of quick game, got the ball out quickly, ran away from them to really make sure that Aiden Hutchinson couldn't take over the game like we saw in that uh, Ohio State when they had in Ann Arbor. And talking to draft analyst Dane Brugler of The Athletic, Bucky Brooks, of NFL media, Daniel Jeremiah, everyone has the same reaction when you go back and watch the All-22. If anything, Georgia tipped their cap to Aiden Hutchinson, showed a huge sign of respect to Aiden Hutchinson with how they game plan to make sure that he couldn't beat them, right? And now he could have had a better game. There obviously is that play against Mari Salyer where he gets put on his butt. But like that, in my opinion, is, is an overreaction or recency bias to say that knocks him down a peg or whatever. I've also talked to Jamari Salyer, that left tackle there for Georgia, and he even speaks to just the dominance that Aiden Hutchinson was and how hard it was to prepare for a player like him. All right, Austin, uh, PFF, I think, does a great job with the National Football League throughout the year. Love your guys' stuff. Uh, find ways to get different pieces of information, and uh, it's very valuable. PFF also does kind of a ranking, if I am correct, about the prospects that are coming out in the draft class this year. And Aiden Hutchinson, is he at the top? And if you wouldn't mind, please share the top five that you have oh, yeah. in order. Let's go. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson right now is the best player on PFF's draft board, and, and for good reason, right? He is a phenomenal player. Like I said, checks all these different boxes that we want to check when we see a player that's production, measurables, intangibles, athleticism. It's exactly what he is. 41 different KPIs there at the University of Michigan, according to uh, strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert, and he's acing every single one. Number two player on PFF's draft board is Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton. There are people that think Kyle Hamilton might fall outside the top eight, outside the top ten. I don't know who those people are, but they are wrong. Kyle Hamilton is a freak of nature. Yeah, he doesn't play a high-value position when you look at how much safeties are paid in the NFL. He's too dang good to fall much further past eight with the Atlanta Falcons. I think there's a legitimate chance he goes number two to the Detroit Lions. I think that's how good Kyle Hamilton is. At number three, we actually have Derek Stingley Jr. of LSU which a lot of that is a projection, right? He has not had the year or the years that we've expected from him since he had that insane true freshman season for LSU in 2019. But what he is and what he can be, if fully healthy, I do think is truly special. At number four, it's the second best edge defender in this class, in my opinion. It's Kayvon Thibodeau of the University of Oregon. I do think that a lot of the narrative around Kayvon Thibodeau is is a it's exaggerated to a degree. I think that he's a very confident player and he believes in himself. And while he does have interests outside of football, I think he's a really good football player too. I think what he can be in the NFL could be as special as Aiden Hutchinson, right? He has all the tools. He has all the measurables. I'd be absolutely floored if he makes it past the Jets at number four overall. And then at number five, kind of surprised to a lot of people, but we have Charles Cross. The Mississippi State offensive tackle is not just the best offensive tackle in this class, but the number five overall player, a guy that's graded super well for PFF as a pass protector in that Mike Leach offense at Mississippi State. And another guy, too, that is a very smooth-moving athlete at the position. I, I agree with, with your rankings with the exception of your number five. I would change the tackle from NC State and put him at number five. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, Iki Aquano is my guy. I'm a huge fan of Iki Aquano of NC State. He was the highest graded run blocking off the tackle, according to PFF this past season. And everyone talks about Trevor Penning, right? Trevor Penning, the U University of Northern Iowa off the tackle, being this nasty, gritty player. Iki Aquano is exactly that, man. He doesn't have just he just doesn't have the penalties that uh, Trevor Penning does have. I think Iki Aquano doesn't get enough credit for how nasty of a player he is. I think there's room to improve as a pass protector, but it's another really explosive athlete that has vastly 
vastly improved over the course of his career at NC State. It's another player I've talked to a ton. He has the same agency, same marketing agency, Radigan Sports with Aiden Hutchinson, a guy that I've talked to a ton. Aiden has talked to a ton in this process, a super nice guy that I do think has all the tools on and off the field to develop into a phenomenal player in the NFL. Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. The podcast series is entitled Hutch, following Aiden Hutchinson through his journey at Michigan. When does it drop? When's the first one come out, Austin? That will be scheduled for April 2022. We're excited to release all four episodes on the same day. The date TBD, but it will be in April. Okay, all four in one day. I mean, not even one day. This is this is a Stranger Things drop here. This is a Netflix style drop. We're going all (laughs) in here, making sure you guys can you guys can you guys can binge watch all night long with the popcorn. All right, give him a follow, Austin Gale. Thanks for the time and uh, thanks for the insight. We'll talk to you again down the line. Absolutely, thank you. Austin Gale from PFF, and Good there's stuff. no nah, great stuff. Good stuff, and they do, they do great work. It don't let Baselli fool you. They do great work. No, they do. I did. I, I like I said when I and I was being perfectly honest with them is that during the season when I can get a hold of a PFF report, there's always some kind of nuggets of information that you wouldn't even have thought of that they do a great job with. No doubt. Uh, there's no better time, though, Logs, to become a Daily's Place Blue member than right now. Get access to the best seats and amenities, premium parking, and more for all shows during the 22 season at Daily's Place. And this year's shaping up to be one of the best yet. Dave Matthews Band coming two nights, Keith Urban as well, Tim McGraw, and much more. For more information, email ticketing at boldevents.com or call 904-633-2000. We'll look around the NFL when we return. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. And if you're watching us on Jaguars YouTube, Twitter, It's the Facebook. county landfill. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. It is the footprint of the Football Performance Center outside TIAA Bank Field. And uh, uh, it's muddy. Let's put it that way. It's been raining for two days straight. Uh, there's not a lot of work being done today. A lot of sitting around and waiting for the sun to shine again and things to dry up. They have poured some concrete, some foundational work over the last week since when we've I looked at the, it. When I say the county landfill, I mean, he's got a lot of dirt and you got a lot of holes and, and piles of dirt. And so, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny or anything. I'm just saying at first when you look at it, you got equipment and a bunch of stuff laying around, so it doesn't look exactly like it's any kind of going to go into any direction. Well, I think uh, it's supposed to be open for business from 2023 training camp, so we've got a little while to watch it grow. Yeah, but here's the thing. You know, it's going to be interesting to see the the time frame because you're trying to get this ready for 2023, but look, also, you're, you're on a little bit of a deadline as far as getting some fields back up and ready and ready to go for a season in 2022. So, I mean, how is all of that going to work? I mean, I'm not on the on the planning board of that, but I would be curious to know at some point how are they going to, you know, because you have the indoor facility, you have the field here inside of mm-hmm. the stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously they will use some, co- some of those components to get them through some of the stages that are going to be happening. But by training camp, you would think that, that, okay, those fields need to be ready, and uh, hopefully they will be. Let's uh, hear from, of all people, Fred Taylor. He was uh, a surprise guest yesterday morning on Good Morning Football on NFL Network. It was Maurice Jones-Drew's birthday yesterday. Take a listen. 
I remember Fred before all the media stuff. Now he's a media mogul. You know, I have a oh, ring light as well. Come on, man. Bro, listen, I, I just want to know when can I get on the pivot? I want, I don't, you know, I don't want to be like AB and put the mask on. I just want to sit back and chill, maybe have some cognac or something and kick back. You know what I mean? Talk, reminisce, have, tell I'll stories. You know, whatever it is, I got your birthday bottle on deck. Uh, you know, our schedules mm. didn't allow us to uh, cross paths when you were just recently here in South Florida. But uh, we'll, we'll get it lined up, certainly. We'd love to have you on the show. Fred Taylor, of course, our co-host on Post Game Radio and has fairly recently started a new podcast. Uh, Ryan Clark is a part of that as well called The Pivot. It's on their YouTube channel, and they do a great job. They just had Stephen A. Smith. A couple weeks ago, they had Antonio Brown on the show. I mean, they they get some big-time names that come in and sit down, and it's uh, three guys interviewing the one. It's, yeah, it's pretty a, fun. Having an Antonio Brown's a little bit of a clown show. It was something. It was yeah. quite an episode. But yeah. um, anyway, so that was good to see on, on NFL Network yesterday. Let's go around the NFL. Let's do that. Let's. Uh, there's been a, big a, money. a lot of people moving around the NFL, including Deshaun Watson now. Big, big money. With the Cleveland Browns. How about this? I, I just think it's, uh, it's crazy. I, I, I can't see how a team would commit that much in guaranteed money to a player that has this this cloud of suspicion, this uh, unresolved civil cases yeah. slash unresolved possible indictment yeah. uh, in there's a different a, county besides Houston. There's a second grand jury that could charge him. Uh, that story came out just a few hours ago. I, I think it just, it just goes to show you that uh, it, uh, at the You'll do anything to get a quarterback and how important that position is, including making maybe a deal with the devil. And I'm not saying he's the devil. I'm just saying is that you can't guarantee that kind of money for a player that 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 has those issues, in my opinion. Shocking. A player who does not have those issues is Matt Ryan. He's heading to the Indianapolis Colts after 14 years in Atlanta. Of course, has an MVP trophy. He was a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. That slipped away because they kept throwing the football around. Uh, but Matt Ryan, after that uh, really nice career in Atlanta, let's, let's see if Indy um, is, if it's the move Indy needs. They, well, they guaranteed the rest of his contract. I'm not happy. About that, because I, I think the Colts have seriously upgraded their quarterback position from Carson Wentz. I was kind of hoping that they would uh, be stuck in no quarterback land. Right. But uh, <laughs> kudos to them for because Matt Ryan, obviously, with the situation with the Atlanta Falcons courtship of Deshaun Watson themselves, I'm sure that the ship had sailed when it came to Matt Ryan. And, uh, and he's a, as good of a quarterback as you could get at this point of the game. So the, the one guy that's kind of still floating out there now is Baker Mayfield. So I think uh, he is the next quarterback domino to fall at some point. But where? I don't know. I, th- I think that's a great question. Seattle? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, possibly. Seattle, I think that would be a good fit for, uh, for him. Uh, the reports are, people are saying that Baker Mayfield needed a a big slice of humble pie. You know, could this be it for for Baker Mayfield? They, they felt that he was getting a little bit too big for his britches in Cleveland and uh, needs a little bit of a dose of reality. Well, this is certainly a big dose of reality because they gave a guy that has a big cloud over his head a ton of guaranteed money, 
and uh, the Indianapolis Colts, who who Baker Mayfield wanted to be traded to, traded for Matt Ryan. So if that doesn't do it, I don't know what else would. And then Tyree Kill to the Dolphins. Big money. How about this deal? Again, big money. I mean, the, the draft picks that the Browns gave up for Deshaun Watson, the draft picks that the Miami Dolphins gave up for Tyreek Hill. Right. And then not to mention the amount of money that they're having to pay these guys. It's, it's, there, there has never been a free agent period in NFL history like this year. Never. Never. The quarterback position almost never changes shape. And it changed across the league this year. Big-name players, big-name players changing what? teams. And they're all coming to the AFC, too. Yippee. And it's great. And, and it's, not, it's not as if these are free agent moves. These, no. are, these are guys under contract that are getting traded away. Like, Tom Brady comes back. Yeah, he's back. And that was, that's like way down the list of storylines. It's really, it's just faded into oblivion now with all the recent happenings. You know, it's the Rams model, though, right? They they said forget them picks, except used a different word, and well, they got a Super Bowl. Well, out you of can it. say so that. Copying. You can say that when you stink at picking. If you're good at picking, keep the picks. And the key is that if you're going to be like the Ravens, the the Patriots, the Steelers, the teams that are perennial winners. Oh, by the way, what do they do? They take the picks, yeah, they pick, and they pick good pick players. the right guy and develop them. And, okay, yeah. so if you want to be a winner year after year after year, keep those picks and make good selections. There you have it. Or look around the NFL. Our thanks it's to crazy, Austin though. Gale. Tyree I mean, it's Kill. crazy. Crazy. Tyree, and here's, here's the thing. We're talking about two guys that don't exactly have pristine backgrounds. No. And Deshaun Watson has a the big cloud of suspicion over Correct. his head. Correct. Tyree Kill, let's not forget, not long ago, had a major issue. There's a couple of different instances in his past, yes. That's right. So, and these guys are getting the kind of contracts that they are? Wow. Uh, what do you got this week, Logs? What's coming up? You got the video series? When's that happening? Uh, next week, we're probably going to do some filming. And so okay. in the next couple of weeks, some uh, some video stuff on the free agents. And then, you know, I've, I've started watching some of the prospects. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson watched him. Thibodeau watched him. We can talk about them at some point. Your guy from Alabama, the left tackle, Evan Neal, who I'm not a big fan of. I don't think he is, is even in the conversation about being the first overall pick of the draft. Cross from Mississippi State. And uh, and I, have, I don't want to say his name, the guy from NC State. But Icky Iquano. Iquano. Icky Iquano. Yeah. All right, that'll do it. We've got three more shows until the draft. And uh, for Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber, and Jeff Lagerman, I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.